Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Happy New Year! Yes, it's a whole new year. It's 2016. We've finally made it. No flying cars yet, though. But uh, we're we're being told they're working on it. We're actually, we're not being told anything. Nobody tells us anything. Isn't that right, Dave? I hear voices. Oh, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might be telling. They might not be telling you things, but telling me things. <laughs> they keep they keep saying walk towards the light. I'm not sure what it means, Ian. Uh, I thought the voices you you were hearing were just me nattering in your ear. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, hang on. I, I knew what was wrong. I've still got the anklers on. Anklers. 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 Yeah, I knew it was Antlers. 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 Yeah. I've put the I've put the headset on again now. Uh, okay. <laughs> five by five. You're coming through five by five. Five by five. Okay. Good. 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 All right. Let's see who else is joining us. <laughs> Hopefully he's here, and hopefully he's got his ears on. Uh, Mr. Dar Skeptical is joining us. Well, I'm being informed that he has stepped away for a moment, uh, but he will be joining us. Honestly, I I, I promise. This is uh, Darth Soul over this episode. Honestly. All right. Well, uh, that's actually all we have on audio. Uh, I think everybody's recovering from New Year's hangovers and such, and being away with family. Uh, we won't hold it against you. Yeah, we did have a couple of apologies. I should say that that uh, yeah. both Ken and Rick did say uh, and sent their apologies and hoped, uh, wished everybody a, a happy new year and uh, hope that we uh, had the show and they'll be listening back. Great. Well, it's time to lower the cone. Control new agent training program section three point five. The cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? And joining us on the cone are guest five, and of course, Cybob is here. Da, da, da. Hello, Cybob. Hello, guest five. Happy New Year to both of you. All right, uh, the typing monkey is actually recovering from a pretty bad hangover. Something to do with um, banana flavored vodka. Uh-huh. Uh, when he gets not up moon, to not moon, not hmm? moonshine. Not moonshine. No, disgusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only apple pie moonshine is good. Pachin. <laughs> what? Pachin. Pachin. Irish whiskey. That's so strong. It's uh, not even legal in this country of origin. Yeah, that sounds like and he, a, he'll that sounds, deny it if you ask again. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So the typing monkey is is off uh, nursing a hangover, so uh, we'll just leave him be because nobody wants to an irate typing monkey. No, 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 no. Um, 
If you'd uh, like to become part of the Cult of Collective, this little ditty that we like to play around this time, it tells you exactly how it's done. And here it is. If you enjoy listening, why not join the Collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. All right, and that's the show. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Terribly, terribly sorry. That, that was mean of me. Mean. Yes. Actually, we do have a show today. We're going to be uh, looking back on uh, the previous year, uh, all the excitement that we had, um, all the fun stuff, some of the sad stuff, unfortunately, um, and uh, looking looking forward to uh, 2016, which we've just barely started. Barely scratched the surface, but we know what's coming, so... Uh, We'll be talking about what we're looking forward to. So I'm going to hand the uh, the steering wheel over to Dave. Let me just rip it out of its socket. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work go. now. It doesn't work now. <laughs> ah, that's all right. I'll get my foot on the accelerator. That's fine. <laughs> and I thought you knew your way around the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, wanted to touch uh, base with a couple of uh, absolutely... Quite interesting facts. Oh, where's Stephen Fry when you need him? It's the QI of the Cultum Collective. So just to give you a little bit of a recount of uh, the fact that uh, Ian and myself have uh, worked our little socks off during the uh, year, uh, hopefully to good effect and hopefully uh, that people have been listening back. And let me just give you those little statistics now. Forgive me for this little bit of self-indulgence. So, um... In 2015, uh, we put out 60 episodes, uh, 80 hours of content, and would you believe, Ian, 35, over half of those 60 episodes, were commentaries. And um, this month, uh, this year, we've actually been a little bit less um, adventurous in our topics. We've mainly concentrated on Doctor Who, uh, Star Wars, uh, Better Call Saul, and, of course, we've not only done new Doctor Who, we've, uh, with our commentaries, gone back and covered quite a bit of classic uh, Who as well. So um, that's it. We've got our Cultum blog, uh, cultum.com. Uh, 600, in total now, 629 posts there. 67 comments there. Over 27,000 views. Uh, best view per day is uh, 223 views of the the uh, the blog each day. Of course, we've got our. Um, That's the day I was homesick. Ah, <laughs> good. Keep it in it. Keep it in it. Keep it in it. Yeah, drive the numbers up. Uh, on the Cultural Collective uh, Facebook page, uh, we've got 317 uh, active members, and now we'll be dipping into that because I did ask those people who couldn't come, uh, as uh, you heard Ian say, people have still got family commitments. Uh, uh, either that, Ian. Uh, they've got Christmas presents that they're taking back to the shop. That's get a different one. <laughs> you know, He's trying to take doesn't... Dave back, but they won't take him. Uh, yeah, it, this one doesn't He's well, digital... well past the sale date. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have a digital copy. <laughs> Can't have that. <laughs> no. So, so uh, that's what they're doing. So, um, yeah, that, so that's some of the basic thing. Um, 
uh, our total stats going back, um, if you want to listen to it all, the 558, 559 if you're listening to this recording later, 40 days and 12 hours you would have to listen over 40 days and nights. You would have to listen to catch up all our episodes. And our first episode went out on the 22nd of July, 2009, when Ian was still in short trousers. It's still in short trousers. <laughs> just just as well you got short legs then, all right? There you go. Uh, exactly. And the average episode is about an hour and three quarters long. And all that, you can find all that goodness on the Colton Collective page, 54821. And we've not gone unnoticed, Ian, by some oh. people of note. Oh, I'm going to play one, and maybe you might play one afterwards. This is Colin Sport, and you're listening to the Colton Podcast. Very nice. Um, yeah, I've got one as well, somewhere. Ah. Um, it's uh, it's uh, right here. Hi, I'm Rabbit from Steam Powered Giraffe. And I'm the Spine from Steam Powered Giraffe. And you're listening to the Cultum Collective. Enjoy! Well, let's hear one more. We'll perhaps have a couple later. This is Daphne Ashbrook, and you are listening to Cultum Collective Podcast. There you go. So <laughs> there are people, and we've got... Actually, I ought to really do it, because um, um, Fraser Hines. Let's have Fraser. Fraser Hines, and you're listening to the Countdown Collective Podcast. Yeah, who knew it's such a difficult title, but there you go. Um, I know. I had to talk to the, the creator of the title of the show. And after six years, I ought to announce, I now have, courtesy of Ian, uh, some Cultum T-shirts that I can now wear. I can uh, proudly go to conventions and uh, astride the room uh, as an advertising board. So thank you for that, Ian. Uh, there will be sweeties on the way uh, to uh, equal the, the balance of the force. So that's just some a uh, little bit of hints and tips. And so um, now I think we ought to just uh, cover a few of the things that um, we have been interested in ourselves. I don't know whether you want to go first, Ian. Some of the things oh, sure. that have taken your interest and in, uh, time, TV-wise, film-wise. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually just got uh, done... Most recently, watching Ant-Man, um, I was lucky enough to uh, get some free credits on Voodoo and uh, took a little basic poll to see on, on Facebook what I should watch, whether I should watch uh, Jurassic World or Ant-Man, and uh, Ant-Man was suggested. It was a three-day rental, so I've now watched it twice, uh, <laughs> and we've, I think we've got it for one more day. It may still get another watch. I don't know. Quite a good movie, actually. I really quite enjoyed it. Um uh, uh, it's amazing, actually, some of the technology that they've used in it, uh, like making Michael Douglas look about 30 years younger, was just fantastic. Um, I know they've done it before. Um, I think the first time I'd ever seen it was in the uh, um, one of the X-Men movies. They made Ian McKellen and, and uh, Patrick Stewart look long, younger. Not that you need to do it with Patrick Stewart. It still looks the same, fucker. Um, <laughs> but it looked a little off when they did it then, but here... It, it it was just amazing, actually, how how it, it just looked like a young Michael Douglas, you know, no different from you've you've seen him in other movies. Um, but I suppose that's the the great thing about having all the, you know, doing this with actors, you've got plenty of reference material, especially for for older actors. There's plenty of reference material for Dave too, but he still doesn't look any different. <laughs> <clears throat> um, other things I've enjoyed. Uh, 
Avengers Age of Ultron, of course. Uh, just got that on on uh, Blu-ray for for Christmas, but I had also seen it in the theaters. One of the few things I've actually seen in the theaters. I think the two. I think I've seen three, you know, two movies in theaters this year: Avengers Age of Ultron and Star Wars. Star Wars, of course, we'll we'll talk about, I'm sure, at length in in various different uh, topics uh, on the show today. But was looking forward to that and also had it and uh, yeah, really kind of enjoyed it. And uh, you can hear more of my my thoughts on uh, on our special that we did with Darth Skeptical and and Perry G, uh, which which was show number what, Dave? Ah. Oh. <laughs> it was the one. It was the one between three hundred two and three hundred three, wasn't it? Yeah. Two hundred three and two hundred two. So it's a B or an A or something. Yeah. Um, shows that I'm really into at the moment uh, and, and enjoyed throughout the year were uh, Flash and Arrow mainly. Those are my two uh, big shows that I do watch. Um, I do tend to keep track of uh, Agents of Shield. Although sometimes a couple of weeks can go by without me without me catching an episode, so then I'll just sit there and I'll watch two or three on the run, and it, it's getting interesting. And I love the way they tend to tie in all the Marvel storylines um, in together. Uh, of course, in Ant Man there was reference to to, to Age of Ultron, um, and as movies come out during the run of Agents of Shield, they managed to you know transition into the storyline and um, without giving anything away about the movie and then they come out the other end uh, making references back to whatever happened in there and sometimes it has a, a great effect on, on the universe of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and so it's nice to kind of see that you know that kind of thing that pre-planning uh, going on uh, what else am I watching of course we watched uh, Better Call Saul this year which we did commentaries oh. on um, really good series that um looking forward to uh another, that this coming year, um season two. Uh what else have I watched? Uh we got Daredevil on, on Netflix and while it didn't grab me as much as I thought it would, it was still a very good series. And oh. uh, enjoyed it quite a lot. It it was some time before I, I my problem in this household is being able to watch, you know, things with my wife or watch things on my own. Watching things on my own is a little difficult because, you know, we're usually trying to find something to watch together. And so uh, it became difficult to watch Daredevil because she just wasn't into it. And uh, and I'm finding the same kind of thing with, with Jessica Jones. I got about halfway through it and it's, it's getting to be a bit of a, you know, tough going Um uh, Without saying too much about what goes on in the series, you know, because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. It is well worth uh, checking out, especially if you like David Tennant. Uh, mm. Especially if you've ever watched uh, the B word in Apartment 23, uh, because the same actress uh, plays Jessica Jones as plays the uh, B word, <clears throat> and uh, so it's very it's interesting because I watched both series. And seeing the comparison and her acting between one show and the other is 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 quite amazing, actually. I, I think it's quite. Cri Cri Kristen her. Ritter, is it? Yes, yes. She's you know uh, the B in Apartment Twenty Three is is a sitcom, 
and and of course Jessica Jones is a is very much the the drama and uh and so seeing her in those two different roles is is really quite quite neat to see the you know the I didn't realize she was quite capable of such great comedy um but she is unfortunately they canceled that show hmm uh let's see what else did I see this year uh we've seen minions not as good as despicable me one or two um, but still a, a neat movie. Um, if you love those little yellow guys, then then you'll love Minions um, because it's it's just full of them, and uh, it's 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 a neatly put together movie, and it explains their origins and and what drives them and everything. And yeah, uh, it's one of uh, Callum's favorite movies at the moment, just to to watch the Minions. He's well and truly a Minion Minion. <laughs> I made that up myself, I did. Quite proud of that one. Not a lot of people know that, actually. Um, what else is there? I've, I've, I've got to kind of uh, look at this list here. That, that Dave's given us plenty of lists in the text chat here um, that we can look at and see what's been and gone and uh, what's coming up. Were you, yet, were you a Game of Thrones fan? Did, did you I've never that? seen one single episode right. of Game of Thrones. I don't have H- HBO. Is it on HBO or Showtime or... Yeah, HBO. Yeah. HBO. Yeah, I've I don't have HBO, so um, and I I I don't torrent Game of Thrones. I'm hoping it'll come out eventually on one of the the streaming services. Um, it's so just seen... won an award, by the way, for the most uh, most death uh, in a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, for the most uh, the most uh, non-legal downloads. Huh. Something like twenty six million or something. Wow. Oh really? Oh. I think it was. Yeah. Pretty sure it was uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I have yet to see Jurassic World. It's it's on my list. I'll probably red box it. Um, which is not torrenting. It's a, a box that we have. Um, it uh, it's basically replaced video rental stores. I don't know if they still have those in the UK. Do they, Dave? Uh. No, I don't think they do. Uh, they yeah. they have them online where you, they'll they will send you them, but I don't have them on the street uh, uh, street mm. shops. Right. They still now, right. have the now old, they have. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if Blockbuster has any more kiosks anymore, but they've come out with these kiosks called Redbox, uh, which you can go and rent uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and games from. Um, it's a little, like the size of a phone booth, really, and uh, you just go in there and. You can actually go online and rent ahead too, and then just you, you just swipe your card and it spits out the movies. It's really quite neat, uh, but it, they're cheap. They're you know uh, two or three bucks, which is cheaper than streaming some of these some of the movies. I was lucky with the with watching Ant Man that I only paid a buck for it because I had credits on Vudu. But yeah, that's enough of uh, my my watching habits. Uh, Things that still like to see, Paddington. Um, Pixels was a neat movie, um, but a bad movie. Um, if anyone's seen it, it's the one where um, a bunch of uh, old arcade uh, game players end up having to save the world from these aliens who have uh, used our game technology against us and send you know, large-sized Pac-Mans to, to destroy us. Um it's about as bad as it sounds, but it's also fun if you grew up in that era. Um, 
which I did. And so I, I, I took a little, you know, uh, I thought of it as a lot of fun, you know, so it's, it's not one of the highly rated movies. I think it's probably got a, um, tomato rating of about 10, uh, <laughs> which some could say is probably, you know, what it's about worth, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I probably watched that again before I'd watch Fantastic Four because I've heard that that's bad. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's bad. Um, we'd like to know from anybody out there in Cultum Land if The Man from Uncle's worth it. Uh, I used to like the TV show. They rerun it on a, a Saturday morning in New Zealand, and so I used to like watching uh, Napoleon Solo and Alia Kuryakin. Alia Kuryakin. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was a, a big fan of Dead McCullum. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, movie-wise, that's that's about it, and TV's... Uh, yeah, I think I've listed all the TV shows. I'm not really getting into Supergirl that much. I'm trying, but it's just not really hitting me the way that uh, that uh, that Flash has. Um, I always find you know like Superman a bit on the difficult side because you're dealing with somebody that aside from uh, Kryptonite, you know they're they're fairly much indestructible. So I always find it a little difficult watching. Sometimes, you know. But, yeah, that's about, about it for me From for, until I think of something and interrupt somebody really badly later. Um, okay. That's, oh, Fear the Walking Dead is one I wanted to talk about really quick. Ah. Um, was looking forward to a little more build-up in, in that show. Fear the Walking Dead was supposed to take you from the outbreak um, all the way through, you know, so you basically were starting back a little further than than The Walking Dead did. Um, I thought we'd find out a little bit more about how it all happened, um, but we haven't. And we quickly moved, you know, through the outbreak. And there were some very tense moments in it, which is is really what you turn into tune into Fear the Walking Dead for, or The Walking Dead. It's those tense moments where you wonder if they're going to survive because, you know, shows have got very good at having expendable characters these days that, you know, will it will surprise you if they die, you know, uh, and I mean I'm probably going to watch next season just to see how it uh, how it pans out, but uh, so far it's it's. It was kind of hit and miss me watching episodes of it. Uh, I'd catch up on a couple of episodes on 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 demand, uh, and and then I'd fall behind by a couple of episodes and then I get caught up. So those things, unfortunately, I have to get caught up on because there's people at work who watch it as well. Oh, and the other thing that I've fallen way behind in is Agent Carter, but hopefully we'll get caught up on that because Haley Atwell is cute. All right. All right, that's me. I've yeah, waffled well, on for about 20 minutes there. So. No, no, we'll come back to you. We'll go to Darth in a minute. Just let me uh, follow up with that little thing I said about the Game of Thrones thing. But uh, what you've just illustrated, by the way, Ian, is how well we're served at the moment. I mean, you almost can't keep up with all these different series. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, you have to almost appointment book uh, television. <laughs> but, um, yeah, on the, the BBC site, it said, um, by the way, there has been a, a delay to the next Game of Thrones book. Uh, the author has uh, said that it's going to be delayed. It, there may be a position where 
the Game of Thrones series has caught up with the books and, and may actually be divulging things happening before the books come out because uh, apparently they already know the major plot lines. The, the author has, has uh, uh, given them access to that. But uh, on the BBC side, it says, um, for the fourth year running, fantasy series Game of Thrones has topped the list of the most pirated TV shows, according to Torrent Freak. Uh, the season five finale was illegally, illegally downloaded 14.4 million times. More than half of those came in the week after the US premiere. The Walking Dead and The Big Bang Theory were also in the top three, with 6.6 million and 4.4 million downloads, respectively. Uh, Early in the year, Game of Thrones broke a record when more than 258,000 users shared the show simultaneously. I think they're called Seeds or something, or what they call them. Right, right. Uh, Game of Thrones was nominated for 24 Emmy Awards in July and uh, early, uh, early this month and nominated for the Golden Globes for Best Drama Series. Season 6 is due to begin in April. Well, I was just catching up on that. Um, Darth, are you good to talk at the moment? Do you, what have you been watching this year that you've, uh, you can recount? Yeah, I, I'll go back to, um, first of all, some things that are not exactly from this year but were maybe released this year. And right. my biggest one here is um the diamond edition of 101 Dalmatians. Now, that may seem like an odd place to start, but if you're a fan of animation, um 101 Dalmatians is actually quite important. Uh first of all because it's the the first and to some degree only uh 2D Disney animated work that uses impressionistic backgrounds. Um or, or impressionistic maybe kind of the wrong word let's say non-realistic backgrounds, uh, backgrounds that um, have more in common with French animation than with Disney animation. And it's really fascinating to see that work going on. It's also the first time that Disney um, kind of used the Xerox process because it was impossible really to think about hand uh, inking all of the spots on the Dalmatian. So they had to come up with a new process to uh, make that whole thing a lot easier. And that became the basis for um, Disney to the animation thereafter, really, um, and the death knell to the uh, tons and tons of different animators that they, uh, or sorry, inkers, largely female, that they had on staff. And so it, it was a point of revolution at Disney Studios. And you don't really think about 101 Dalmatians. It's not necessarily one of the top um Disney movies, you know, it's not the first one. It's not Snow White. It's not, um, you know, particularly flashy. It kind of sits in the in the 60s there. And the 60s were a very hit-and-miss decade for Disney. But it and Jungle Book are really the two uh, highlights of the 60s. And it maybe has become overshadowed amongst the recent generation because of the Glenn Close live-action um, adaptations. But it's a really interesting uh, Diamond Edition. It has a lot of great um, features on it. Um, it even has an episode of Disneyland, by which I mean the original um, Sunday night television program on ABC. The, in fact, it is the original connection between Disney and ABC. And, and you have Walt Disney there exploring uh, the relationship of dogs to men. Uh, you know, because Disney was, of course, quite interested in um, nature films, too. 
and the, the birth of nature films is on Disneyland, the television program, which later becomes the wonderful world of Disney. Uh, and it, it's just fascinating to have a, like basically an entire episode of, I think it's season one Disneyland, which is just, you know, 1955, really, or even before that, really very uh, early Disney as host, which is maybe his, you know, the Uncle Walt image is maybe the most intriguing public persona of Walt Disney. It's just fascinating. It's a great buy. You can find it now in America, at least, uh, you know, right around the $20 price mark. Totally worth the buy. If you're all interested in animation, if, especially if you're interested in the history of Disney animation, there's a lot of great stuff that's on there. And I would say as a companion piece to that, uh, exploration of Disney history. One of the best buys that I got this year was the PBS um, Walt Disney uh, documentary, which absolutely one of the best things I bought the entire year. It is so fascinating. It goes from, uh, and I've read a lot of Disney biographies. I may have read every Disney biography, to be honest with you. And uh, while they, you know, because it's a film, cannot go into quite the depth of a book. It is still the best, you know, uh, motion picture analysis of the the life of Walter Disney that there is. Just just fabulous thing. I think it's going to win some awards um, at the Emmys this next time up. I can't encourage you enough to get it. It's under ten bucks on the iTunes Store, um, and I I imagine it has a home video release as well, like a hard copy version. I I don't know. I haven't looked for it, but if you're even slightly interested in trying to figure out who Disney was. It's really interesting. It does not pull its punches. It does not try to, you know, sugarcoat it and make him look like a perfect human being. Um, There's an especially fascinating look into the great strike at Walt Disney Company and how he was on the wrong side and his brother Roy was on the right side of that. Really interesting stuff. It's in some ways, better than any kind of fiction that had, and, and relevant, of course, to you know the current uh, that is to say, this month and last month um, fascination with Disney as the you know now controller of Star Wars. Yes, Dave. Yeah, I was going to say, did you did you? What, it was on BBC here in the UK on uh, on mm. terrestrial TV. The Saving Mr. Banks, the. Um, the film. I don't know whether you uh, give any credence to that with Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks playing Disney. Oh, oh, did you watch that's, that? That's, that was from 2013. Sure, but, I know, but right, it's a couple of years ago. But what's what's fascinating and uh, interesting that you bring that up. It is actually quite relevant to the 101 Dalmatians experience because 101 Dalmatians was um, also from a book by a woman, uh, just like um, uh, Mary Poppins was, and yet. They are mirror images of each other in terms of the relationship between the author and Walt Disney. And they go into that in this Diamond Edition thing and sort of look at the, uh, you know, because they're from the same time, right? I mean, they basically are they're released within a few years of each other. Um, and they, the productions cross each other's path. 1961, yeah. Right, right, right. So they're, uh, it, it's fascinating to see, you know, if you, you, you take Saving Mr. Banks, and, you know, which sure there there might be some historical inaccuracies but it's quite an elegantly made film um and Emma Thompson is irresistible absolutely as is Tom, uh, Tom Hanks i mean the, the, well Bradley Whitford is irresistible i, enjoyed I mean, it. Really, I enjoyed it. Colin Farrell. yeah everything everything about that yeah Colin Farrell Colin Farrell's a knockout performance really 
Um, but everything is in that. Um, but if you take that um, and and you, you know, it, it's basically true. And certainly the relationship uh, between her and Disney is largely true. There's some there's some little fudging that goes on toward the end to make their relationship seem uh, a little bit more harmonious after the uh, the film is actually released than it was. But still, it's basically true. You take that, you compare it to the relationship, and I've forgotten her name now between the uh, author of 101 Nominations. It's fascinating, you know. Um, but this is this has been a really good year if you're at all interested in Disney to explore Disney because there's lots of stuff that's been going on. Not only you know how will Disney change Star Wars, which is itself a fascinating thing, and, and following you know Tony how, Smith, uh, Jody Smith, yeah, uh, if, you know if, starting from the top of the year, you know what is the relationship between George Lucas and Disney now, and how that has migrated over the year as a as a current news story. That's been fascinating and. We know he just apologized this week for something that he uh, just wildly, crazily said on the Charlie Rose show on Christmas Day. Um, it's fascinating to see that going on, to see that actually Disney appears to have actually cared about Star Wars and made something that is largely being responded to with great praise from fans um, when that was not at all certain at the top of the year, you know. Um if you're interested in Disney, you know, and then Disney, what Disney is doing to their parks recently, um, just a lot of great things that have been going on in 2015. If you're interested in following the Disney story and, and uh, 101 Dalmatians plus this um, uh, biographical work on PBS slash BBC, um, really, really good stuff. So that's one thing. And then I would say, um, you know, it's been a pretty standout year. As you know, my particular cultum is really more comedy than it is, you know, fantastical stuff that we normally cover on the show. And uh, one of the things that's been great for me is something I'm not sure is in the UK yet. Uh, and if it were in the UK, I uh, am proud to say, I don't think it would make sense. You know, I spend a lot of time uh, uh, over here talking to friends or whatever. And like, I know things about British TV that they don't know. And, and, you know, I, I like following some things on British TV, definitely. But, I mean, I'm still American, and I'm very proud whenever something is created that is really, truly American in every sense of the word and is funny. And, and that, for me, this year has been blackish, which I just adore as a piece of comedy. I think it is just eminently American, as is, and that's a kind, you know, sort of show that's new. I guess it technically started in 2014, but the second half of its first season was in 2015 just a just a great study the anti-cosby as it were um in in a lot of different respects and yet there's there still is some you know cosby uh, stuff uh aspiration to that show but some some neat tongue-in-cheek stuff uh raven simone coming on there uh being one of the few crossovers between cosby show and uh blackish but and yet, the way in which she presents herself is, you know, great. I mean, really fabulous stuff. Can't even reel that because it was spoiled in the episode. But um, just a great show to watch. Um, firmly subscribing to that on iTunes. Can't wait till each episode of that is released. And of course, the the other side, or another uniquely American show that I think that a lot of Britons would get, 
because there's not that much difference, to be honest, between local government in the UK and local government in the US. So Parks and Recreation, I imagine, has a presence of some kind in the UK. Um, but it you know, bowed this year at the top of the year. Just an unbelievable piece of work. Uh, especially if you go back and you, you got the whole thing, you can get the whole, you can watch the whole thing just about now on Netflix. I think see, the last season is maybe not there, um, but widely available. I'm sure Hulu probably has even the last season of that, and you can probably even, if not Redbox, some of it, Netflix, the DVDs of it. Um, just amazing, brilliant comedic work, and indeed, you know. This is a lot. 2015 continues uh, the decade that has been, uh, you know, since about 2005. You know, the, the coming rise of female comedians and all these, both blackish and um, parks and recreation in a more pronounced way, um, just filled with uh, standout performances by women. Very very funny stuff. Uh, next, uh, season so, two starts on Wednesday, the sixth of January. Season two of Blackish on Is the there? UK or no, no. Uh, I'm just looking at the IMDb site on ABC. Oh no, oh no, that would be that would be the second half of season two. So we've already had. Ah. so it's coming back after it's like Christmas. Oh, break. season two returns, right? Yeah, with you. Right, 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 right. Um, so that's good, and um, you know. Uh, other great things, um, you know, uh, sort of in terms of shows that are led by women, maybe not necessarily uh, comedy, uh, but Agent Carter, as as Ian has already mentioned, um, great show. I mean, really a great show, really fun. Um, it, you know, of the two major comics producers, I'm more DC than I am Marvel, but Agent Carter is the one thing that I really have been the most enthused about on the Marvel side of the street. Mm, that may be Iron Man, but this is sort of connected to Iron Man in a uh, sort of a way. Um, and so I'm glad to see that coming back. The other show, you know, not really a cult show. This would just, I guess, be a mainstream show, but I guess if you, it, it's the successor, sort of the spiritual successor of West Wing, I guess. Madam Secretary. Uh, starring Tiloni as the Secretary of State. And this is where it gets a little cultish. Um, you get, um, uh, oh, good Lord, Daly, Tim Daly, who, of course, is known to a lot of sort of cultish kind of people as the voice of Superman. Uh, but to comedy people, of course, he'll always be the dude from Wings. Um, he is playing her husband, and one of the fascinating things about this show, it is not quite as literate, not quite as walk-and-talky as, as West Wing, but it sets up some really interesting geopolitical things. Um, you know, looking at government from the perspective of the Secretary of State rather than from the perspective of the President is interesting because it looks at things differently. Um, and in some ways, it makes the President, who sometimes appears in the series, uh, the bad guy or the guy who is at least running counter to the proposals of the secretary of state because he has the power to, you know, not accept her advice, which if you've invested in her advice for the whole series or for the whole show, then 
you're like, wait a minute, we want her to succeed, right? But then the president comes in and says, no, so does that make him the villain? Well, maybe. You know, it, it makes the, the president a more complex character in a way than in, in West Wing, um, just because he can play either mm. side of the street, you know. Uh, it also makes the the role of the uh, chief of staff more interesting because chief of staff can be, you know, play one side. There, I mean, there was a recent episode where you just really didn't know where the chief of staff was. And it was very interesting the way that they were messing with that because of the perspective that you have. And the, one of the other things is uh, it, the, Tim Daly is fantastic in the show. And you'd think, oh, well, he's just playing, you know, he's playing a peripheral character the husband of the Secretary of State. You're going to spend all your time with the Secretary of State, but you really don't. You kind of spend your time with both of them. And it's fascinating to see their marriage dynamic, especially because he is actually secretly a, and this doesn't give away too many plot spoilers because you find out in episode two, um, he's playing a CIA operative, and she's ex-CIA, and the president used to be chief of the CIA, so they're all sort of in, on the CIA, or have to do with the CIA, but she and the president are now removed a little bit from the CIA, which means that his, her husband's operations are not on a need-to-know basis for the president and for the secretary of state. So sometimes he knows things that they don't know, and so he's working elements of a problem, of the same problem that they're working on, they don't have a need to know exactly what he's doing. It's fascinating. It's really interesting. Um, so, and, and every episode, you're, uh, this season in particular, the second season, uh, ends on a cliffhanger, and you're like, what in the hell is going to happen next week? And it's it's really good, uh, but it's not normally the kind of show that we ever talk about on Baltimore. We'll talk about, but, uh, you know, if you can watch this show, I would recommend watching the show, especially if you can watch it in in the way that it's meant to be, you know, from, you know, consecutively, because each episode does ramp up the tension quite a bit more. So that, I love stuff like that. That's good stuff. A um, lot of female-centric shows. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited on Flash and Arrow, um, that whole universe that's going on. I'm very excited that we now have the introduction, that they've gone with the introduction of Hot Girl. Uh, spoiler, I guess. Spoiler? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, mm, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, that, she, that's obvious from the, the the marketing. Even the even the one sheet uh, for Legends of Tomorrow is that obviously they've got one. Oh, girl. Um, is Deadpool coming so, on one of these shows as well? Is that, is that another spoiler? Deadpool's Marvel, so I don't oh. know. Well, uh, uh, but. But I mean, one of the, one of the other the great thing for me about television in 2015 is the way in which, you know, they've spaced out these shows in a very useful way uh, to me because it's like there actually is something to watch on every day of the week, which there really hasn't been forever in a day. So it's like, you know, my, because I'm getting it all on iTunes, right? I'm getting it a little bit later. Uh, well, sometimes I'm getting it later. I mean. The, iTunes is is timed to the Hawaiian uh, time zone, and so shows pop up as soon as as soon as the show has aired in the final American time zone, which is Hawaii. Um, so largely, shows come up at nine or ten at night for me. But 
by that point, I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to watch this. So a lot of times I watch it the next morning, I suppose. Um, but it's like, you know, Monday, uh, on Sunday night, I suppose there's Madam Secretary. On Monday night, there's Supergirl, which, you know, I like Supergirl. I've always been more predisposed towards the Superman family. And indeed, the thing that has always been problematic in the Superman family is Supergirl, because what do you do with her, really? Uh, do you retell the entire origin story? Because it's basically the same as Superman's. Uh, how do you tweak that? Do you tweak it as her being, uh, you know, the junior partner, both in age and in, you know, use of powers? Do you treat her as somebody who's actually the senior partner, which is uh, one interpretation? Do you treat her as being somebody, and this is the wilder interpretation, uh, who is not even really Kryptonian? That went on for a while in the 1990s and was very confusing to pretty much everybody. Um, or, you know, do you sort of make up new stuff? And then what I find interesting about this show is the way in which it's pulling from different aspects of the Superman slash Supergirl myth and remixing it to something of its own. And one of the things that's fascinating is that she is the employee of Cat Grant, who is a sort of minor character in the Superman universe, an employee of the Daily Planet in most uh, interpretations. Cat Grant in this thing is, of course, played by Calista Flockhart, who is the wife of Harrison Ford, and, uh, you know, just a fabulous actor. Um, and the tension, the major, well, one, their major, mm, this show reminds me a lot of Smallville, in that there are these various triangles of character relationships that are set up so that uh, each character has a specific and unique interaction with the other. It's not just uh, everybody relates to Supergirl. It's that you know Supergirl relates to Jimmy Olsen, which is a part of the original myth, I suppose, of Supergirl, uh, that Supergirl and Jimmy Olsen have a thing going on. Um, and then you know Jimmy Olsen has a relationship to Cat Grant because that's his boss. Supergirl has a relationship to Cat Grant as Supergirl and as um, her alter ego, um, and 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 so forth. And there are a lot of other people who are in this mix. Um, and it, it's it's a fascinating show to me because of the way it remixes different parts of the um, various mythologies around Supergirl to come up with something that is really held together by the fairly incredible performance of the of the actor who plays Supergirl. She's just immediately engaging. She's both vulnerable and tough at the same time. It's a real um it's a real piece of work <laughs> to be honest. Uh, that is that grows and deepens and changes as the her relationship with the other characters on the show change throughout the year. There are lots of little surprises that happen. Usually, there's a big surprise every single episode. So, to me, it's a really fascinating piece of work. So, Monday nights are pretty well covered, and then Tuesday night <laughs> rolls in, and is it Monday? I forget. I forget whether it for real is on a Monday or on Tuesday. But the Muppet Show is on, and the Muppets. Well, I guess it's called the Muppets, not the Muppet Show. Um, that's been quite funny, um, and you know they've taken some risks there. Filming it much like The Office, sort of single camera, um, and in you know the cleverest thing they could have possibly done was to break up uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy, 
and yet make Kermit the producer of Miss Piggy's show so that they're in a power struggle, um, both on and off screen. It's really it's neat how that's happening. It's also good how they've gotten certain stars to show up, just like the old show, except now you know, they're showing up not to necessarily perform on the show, but rather to have some kind of relationship with either Kermit or Piggy. Um, and, and some of the real life stuff, uh, just kind of incredible. Uh, it's the, and also the way that they take the show out of the studio and go to various locations, maybe even show car driving scenes. Um, just, it's really clever. I hope it stays around. I'm not sure if it will. I don't know what its ratings are. I haven't really looked, but I find it amusing. I don't always necessarily watch it the same day, but I think it's it's maybe the best thing that has come out of the sort of revival that the Muppets went through owing to the last two films that came out. Um, but it's also, it's not just that. It's really It really has a lot to do with those little shorts that they did and put on YouTube prior to the arrival of the Mupp- the whatever that was I forget what year that was, the the modern Muppet movie. Um they did a lot of those shorts and put them on YouTube and that sort of proved the flexibility of Muppets in the modern era that you could do, you know, sort of quick setups and, and get a film out pretty quickly. Um so it's it's a thing to behold. I don't know that you necessarily need to watch every episode but if you watch a few episodes especially if you're interested in a particular guest star that's showing up i think you'd be rewarded you won't think oh i just wasted all my time you'll think wow that was really kind of clever so there's that and then there's you know flash which is continues to be like there's some shows that i watch where like i i watch them in the background and you know maybe i'll be doing work while i'm watching them but for some reason, Flash is so important to me that whenever I'm watching an episode of Flash, I watch it full screen. It shuts off all my other screens, you know, and I pay full attention to the Flash. And I, I don't know why that is. It's not it's not God's gift to television or anything particularly um, astounding exactly, but it is awfully exciting. It is um, a show which usually on a weekly basis has this emotional nugget in it that that really gets to you. And I don't think that you need to be a particular DC Universe fan for that to happen. It's written well enough that there's, you know, something that happens. The acting is, by and large, if not perfect, certainly enough to evoke what's in the script. Um, and it's just, there's just something about it that is so, it's, you know, I guess it's just joyful in a way. It doesn't really, it as opposed to Arrow, it is certainly the other side of the street. You know, air is dark and flash is light. And uh, it's just, I don't know, the cast is, I, I tell you what it is. It's because of the dual father thing, I think, that is, is going on. That's not, that's set up in the first episode. That's not a spoiler at this point. But the fact that there, you know, he has a biological father who actually is the dude who played the Flash in the 90s. And then he's got... Yeah, um, Barry Allen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah sorry, yeah. the actor, so I can't. Yeah, I yeah, think it's been excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that you've got these, the notion of fatherhood and how that keeps getting spun around and around and around, you know, because he's also the father of Iris West. Um, and, you know, there are other elements of fatherhood that are coming through. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting in that way, emotionally. Um, and then, you know, there's the whole romantic side and whether, you know, the soap opera side, I guess, which girl is he going to end up with? Um, which girl, you know, is, which guy is Dr. Snow going to end up with? You know, everybody's got some kind of little relationship that's going on. Um, so that it's not, you know, it's not just that this is a dude running around fast. It is, that's incidental almost to the larger story. And I don't, I think that this season of Arrow, Arrow has had that a lot more because now suddenly um, Oliver Queen, who's obviously the Arrow, the Green Arrow, um, has connected at a larger, deeper level with a lot of different people that are on, well, with all the different cast members that are there. And so now I think I think that they kind of realize that on, on Arrow, they needed to bring a little bit of the Flash in there uh, and make it a little bit more soap opery to give you some idea of um, what was going on in his mind and in his heart. And I think if you look at the two crossovers, if you look at the crossover from 2014 and compare it to the crossover of 2015, you really see how Oliver Queen's character has shifted into being more about caring about other people. You know, it's not it's no longer that he is just saving his city, it is that now he is about saving his friends who reside in this city. You but know? isn't this a two-way that, exchange because the Flash guy uh, I I'm only watching the first series but you know, he would rush because he's so fast. He never had a plan. He'd go into anything and never think of a plan and uh I think there's a crossover where uh the arrow comes over and tries to educate him and he says, try and dodge these arrows, then he fires arrows in his back. and So basically, they're both learning off each other. He's, he's lightening up somewhat, and um, the Flash guy is realizing, you know, um, it's not a game. Um, there are some people more powerful. Because uh, the over, and I don't think this is a spoiler, the, the narration at the beginning says, uh, starts to say, I'm not the fastest man alive. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, that's some a feature. I, that's a feature I think of the first few episodes. Yeah, of yeah. Well, I'm, I've only just got it on the Blu-ray. See, so I'm watching the Blu-ray version. Yeah, yeah. But um, the narration does change a little bit. But I think you're basically right, and I think that's one of the things that makes this shared universe concept so intriguing is the fact that there is a way to track the emotional development between not just Flash and Arrow the characters of the Flash and Arrow, but also of the other characters. You know, th- there are th- there's a way to tell the difference between, for instance, you know, Felicity, who is sort of Ooh, the IT person. Like Felicity, yeah. And 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 Cisco. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of trash talking between Cisco, uh, you know, who's the IT guy of Central yeah, City, yeah. and and Felicity, and it's and that's fascinating to see that dynamic changing as well. Um, and then characters on this this crossover season, let's say um, characters on um, Arrow, who didn't necessarily have any relationship to any of the Flash characters, suddenly realizing, wait a minute, we are tied together into this team, and that apparently is going to roll over into you know this Legends of Tomorrow, where you know you get a much broader team that all have their relationship back to uh, you know the two original heroes. 
So it's it's they're doing it in the way that DC itself did it in like this, not just the Silver Age, but where D- DC have tried to do it pretty much all along, and that is, you know, this this hero over here has a relationship to this hero over here, and then you you create a real universe that is bound by relationships, um, and that's a, it's, it's a fascinating thing to see happen. It's great to see happen, um, and indeed. You know, you see, it's another feature, I suppose, of fantastic storytelling in 2015, is that it, by and large, whether you're talking about Doctor Who, whether you're talking about Star Wars, whether you're talking over here about the DC Universe, the storytelling is largely changed over into uh, relationship-based storytelling. And I think that probably goes all the way back um, to at least, you know, 2005's Doctor Who, where... You know, you took a property that was largely male-oriented and about, you know, fantastic things, and then you injected into it um, an emotional side emotional side to it that then caught not only a larger female audience, but just a larger audience in general, and made this kind of fiction much more compelling. So I, I, think, it, I think it is fascinating, you know, and this is just coincidental about 2015, but... Uh, you know, that Downton Abbey, which is a very traditional sort of drama, you know, um, that we're seeing sort of the swan song of that, but then the rise of lots of other um, more fantastical content. Now, that's not to say that, you know, traditional storytelling, traditional settings are necessarily on the way out. But I think you would have to argue that 2015 uh, continues the ascendancy of fantastic storytelling that at least goes back to, I don't know, 2012? I mean, Arrow starts in 2012. Um, but certainly this most of this decade has, has seen a continued improvement in the lot of fantastical storytelling or you know, speculative fiction, if you will, um, especially on television. And, and the rise of that has, uh, has been one of the features of 2015, to be sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, televisually, it's been very interesting to me how um, there's not really a point at which, um, it, except maybe Saturdays, you know, where um, there's nothing on TV to watch, you know, and I think Saturdays, uh, you know, has been hit, hit or miss, you know, I mean, it's been a pretty good season of Doctor Who, but it's, you know. It is what it is. It, it, I, I think overwhelmingly the thing that I have found this year is that although I like Doctor Who and though I think it is an improved season over, say, last year, um, it has not been impre- as impressive to me as the rest of what's been going on, um, at least in American television. And that's surprising to me is that I now firmly back, you know, really watching American TV and only occasionally sort of tuning in to British TV, and that's only if really I think it's worth the effort. Um, There's not just there's to, not been a lot. No. Uh, we had Rick Wall has uh, dropped off now. He did oh. come in for a little while, but that's all right because he was. Uh, I'm sure he he was uh, he would have spoken if he wanted to. But I'm I'm glad in a way he didn't break your train of thought. Uh, but do you think any of this is to do with the injection, you know, of money from? <clears throat> You know, these online services like uh, uh, Netflix and uh, Amazon. I mean, Amazon have just spent a fortune on uh, Top Gear and 
uh, other things. And I'm assuming these will go out internationally, not just in the UK. I mean, uh, everybody seems to have raised the game. But whether you go back to the Game of Thrones when it first came up, you know, uh, suddenly, you know, a house of cards. There's been a half dozen what you would call um, flagship shows, I think. And I think it's, you know, what's it? Uh, a rising tide raises all boats, or whatever mm-hmm. the expression is. I don't have any thoughts on that. And, and, and when, if you don't want to talk about that, uh, you must have been pleased with the, the resurgence of uh, James Bond, uh, the movie side of things this year. Oh, yeah, I haven't even gotten into the movie side of things. Um, I know. Anything more on TV? Uh, then? Uh, I don't know if that, it, your proposition there makes a lot of sense. I mean, that certainly is, I think, what the British Parliament would like us to believe, uh, right. the current one at least. Um, uh, I, I think of necessity, you have had a lot of, Partnerships that have been formed. I think that you know the British television production community has taken the hint from Cameron and his cronies. Oh, sorry, did I just reveal a bias that I might have? I don't know. Um, and and you know they've gone off to you know find these partnership deals. But in fairness, they were always trying to find, or at least you know forever. Yeah, they have. I mean, they you know, have. for the last twenty years, they've more than twenty years. You know, um, so you know to call television producers in Britain financially irresponsible or anything like that is wrong. Um, and, you know, we mustn't forget Doctor Who has had uh, intermittently a number of different financial deals, uh, especially if you throw Torchwood into the mix where they got, you know, a full-on, full-season uh, co-production deal where the BBC was the junior partner, you know? Yeah. Uh, of course, it turned into crap in the last episode, but you know whatever. Uh, they did do it from a financial standpoint. I I don't know if any of that. I mean, you know, Top Gear might be a specific example that you could say, okay, this show has sort of been, uh, you know, because the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have a Jeremy Clarkson phobic attitude at the moment. Uh, you know, they could get some money from outside the UK and therefore, you know either continue on or, or with new production or, you know, really amp up the marketing of the old productions or whatever, they can now deliver that content to a wider audience. Okay, fine. Um, but I don't know, you know, if that's the general model. You know, it every deal is specific. And the thing is, if you've got a good idea, it sort of is just, you know, who will help you build it? And sometimes you can get... British money, and sometimes you can't get British money, or you know, if you if you are from Britain and you're trying to get things done, maybe you know. There are more you doors might to knock get... on now. There are more, there doors, are more to knock doors on. Now. Absolutely, because and I think that's really more to do with the change in TV generally, as opposed to yeah. in any particular region, you know. Um, and and we can see this because some of the things that we're talking about are um, sort of online productions, like the you know Jessica. Who the hell? I just lost her last Jessica, name. Jessica, Jessica Jones. Uh, Jessica Jones of the world, right? I mean, that is that is Netflix original. So is House of Cards, for that matter. Yeah. Um, and you know, so that's a, that that reflects a changing um, viewership, at least in America. Uh, I don't think actually all around the world there are, there are many areas of the world that don't really have fast enough internet to back that up. But um, certainly in the U.S. and U.K. Uh, you know, Netflix is a powerful thing. Amazon, you know, we definitely have seen Amazon uh, productions like um, 
the man in the high castle, high yeah. tower, the the alternate fiction thing um, that's done apparently quite well. And, you know, one of the fascinating things to me about that was seeing both of those two productions, which are not traditional television at all, um, getting prominent ads uh, in every single Star Wars thing that I walked into this season, right, in the theater. Um, and that crossover between, you know, people who will independently go to see theaters because, you know, that's much more like the kind of thing that you're doing when you choose to watch something on Netflix. You know, you are making a conscious choice. I'm going to watch this single thing. I'm not going to watch a network show. I'm going to watch a show, you know, and that's, that's obviously, you know, my habits completely changed by iTunes, you know, um, and, that that too is what you're doing. You are saying I am specifically supporting Doctor Who. I am not specifically supporting the entirety of what the BBC does, or right. the entirety of what ABC does. In fact, what you're saying with iTunes is screw you, ABC. I will instead choose to make my alliance to ABC Studios, which is different, right? Fine. And I'm happy. I'm happy giving my money to ABC Studios. Not so happy giving my money to ABC. You know. Yeah. So a lot of interesting things. I think that you're right on that. Um, but well, films, before, you know, just oh, sorry, go on films. No, just for, I think what's happening in the UK as well is that um, Sky, uh, which is the main mm. way that people get non-terrestrial thrown, they've they've, yeah. they've they've got very very expensive because they've been chasing sports things. So mm. you know, buying mm. up all the sports and then BT, which is the the old telephone system, they've come in and they they bought you know. Um, Formula One racing and they're fighting over different sports venues and the BBC is just about holding on to Wimbledon and, and not much else. They've lost the golf. Uh, and I think a lot of people have gone to, to things like Netflix and that because they're thinking they're paying, right. you know, $70 a month, $80 a month to Sky, where for right. $10 a month they can pick and choose from Netflix. Uh, uh, and a, a, if you're a sports fan then people will stay with Sky. But if they're not, um, I mean, there's been yeah. a big change around, even, even uh, not motor racing, horse racing. Um, Channel yeah. uh, ITV have just bought it off Channel 4, which had it for years. So there's an awful mm -hmm. lot of um, huh, horse trading going on in the background. But anyway, I, I think if, if I, I may move I you on it, to film uh, soon. Okay, yeah, but you just said something there. I, I want to sort of comment. Yeah. One of the interesting things with 2015, and I, I think I'm right saying it is fairly confined to this year, maybe a little, maybe fourth quarter 2014, is this notion that you just mentioned of what were the old telephone companies, BT, AT&T, mm -hmm. suddenly getting into production of television because there is no distinction anymore, really, between telephone and cable. And, then, and you know, you see these commercials, maybe you don't, Dave, because you're fortunate, mm -hmm. but, you know, in, in the U.S., you constantly see television commercials which say, combine your cable with your TV, with your, uh, what's the other oh, one? Yeah. Cable TV, uh, whatever. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, they, they make it like it's some grand thing. You know, like, oh, my God, yeah. we're, giving you, we're giving you all these three things, and they're so different from each other, but they're exactly the same, and they're carried on the same lines, and there is no more distinction, I don't think, between... It's, it's uh, worse here in the UK. It's four now, because mm. they're trying to bundle mobile as well. So you have your, your, oh, landline, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your landline, your mobile, your internet, and your TV yeah. entertainment, 
Uh, and the trouble is, the people like me who are already with supply and happy with it are really mm-hmm. peed off because I'm paying full whack. And they're saying to other people, come and have it. You can have it for for six months. You can have it for $4 a month, you know, a right, ridiculous, almost right. a giveaway price. And you're thinking, well, that's of course. Fun, it's you know, it's unbelievable. It's a giveaway because you get screwed in the second year. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, in the U.S., it actually makes more sense to just go to – uh, business pricing because business pricing doesn't really change. They don't. They know right. that they don't. Businesses won't get screwed around with that. And you pay more to begin with, but then it's like it's always the same. It never varies. And so you're like, oh, right. that's great. But but yeah, I mean, you see now the rise of like programming that is specifically for AT&T, AT&T Uverse, which is you know their combined service or whatever. And so there is original programming there, just like there is original programming now from BT. Uh, and that to me is sort of, uh, it's fascinating in that it's pitiful. <laughs> it's like, really guys, you waited this long to figure out that really you are in the business of television. You didn't understand that. It's, you know, you didn't understand that even though you were laying all this cable and you, you know, even, even the guy on the street who's doing the laying of the cable can tell you, obviously it's all the same thing. And you didn't well, think, wow, we need to start making some TV programs. In the UK, it's carrot and stick because what's happening is that, um, uh, although it's been opened up, BT has still got a strangle, stranglehold on the actual physical uh, phone-wise. Uh, right. And even though we've got fibre up to cabinet, we haven't got fibre to the home. But at the same time, they've also seen this opportunity uh, uh, with 4K TV because uh, the satellite channels, they're squeezing so many channels in, the bit rate, they can't go above you know, 6, 8 megabits a, uh, a second because the the on on one transponder the the shoving ten or twelve channels on one transponder, where Netflix and all these others know that uh, if you've got the internet you can be having you know on fiber twenty thirty forty fifty megabyte download you can have four K because it uses a different bit rate that's half the right. bit rate it uses um this um it, it's the next one up it's H uh, two four two nine five is a two nine four which is high, mm. our, our vp9 i think it is on the uh, youtube so so for you can have not just hd at, at six or eight megabyte uh freeview is capped at nine and a half megabit uh, and because of net neutrality bbc because they'll do that on on the wires they'll only do that on satellite because they can't have one having a better picture than the other it has to be net u- neutral where with a different uh, a different codec and people now getting fiber to the home, they realize it's like a window of two or three years. If they can get people, you know, uh, cottoned onto that. Uh, just a very quick example of that, because the, uh, the, the Las Vegas uh, CES show starting in a few days' time. But um, the mm-hmm. new the high-definition Blu-ray is coming out. Very first high definition blue Blu-ray to come out commercially. It's going to be that that new Mad Max movie with Tom Hardy in it. Uh, but if they can get people onto 4K, the the terrestrial and the satellite, well, satellite can, but terrestrial can't yet offer that. So uh, they've given up on 3D. That didn't fly. Uh, they've realised that people don't want quality of production. And if you've got these quality productions, then you can show it at a, a you know a much better visual quality as well. Anyway, uh, I've, I've dragged you away from 
I'm sure. No, you, but that, that's that certainly is another feature, you know, of television in general of 2015 is the hunt for the right TV. I mean, we there've been I, I don't know if you've gotten these news reports, but certainly that was a big deal over um like Black Thursday and or Black Friday or whatever. Um mm-hmm. of uh you know, is 4K. I mean, people people going no, out don't and buy, buy 4K. Don't, don't buy them now because it hasn't got HDR, uh high dynamic range, 10 bit color. Uh, the next generation will have that. You know, if you want to watch Life of Pi as it's supposed to be, you have to have high dynamic range, uh, and therefore you have to have uh, an HDMI socket that is 2.2 and uh, a, a new codec to allow it to handshake and and uh, a higher bit rate. So some people were saying that um, the 2015, some models will cope with high dynamic range, the Panasonics and the Sonys, but a lot of these Hisense and these other um, other company ones won't, so you might be buying your 4K too soon. I don't like high-definition uh, dynamic range because, to me, it looks hyper-realistic, which is great for animation. If animation is your thing, that's fine. But they show pictures of, uh, in demonstrations of things like parrots. So you see this red parrot. It looks as though somebody's dipped it in dye. You know, it, it looks mm-hmm. doesn't look real. It looks hyper-real. It looks fake real. Uh, that's Right. Way. Anyway... But, yeah, then, no, but yeah. I, I mean that that is definitely you know 2015 has been sort of and maybe this is every year I don't know uh, but oh, it yeah. seems to me that 2015 is more than any other year that I can remember the pushing of a standard mm. that a probably won't be good enough for the future as you just explained about the HDR stuff but also the uh, audio large well I'll forget about the audio I mean <laughs> but but just in terms of the picture. Uh, just largely doesn't do what like the, the I don't I don't want to slander anybody, but it seems as though the sales pitches aren't quite matching reality. And I, I guess maybe that's always true with anything, but it really seems to me profoundly true with television this year uh, that nothing they're really saying about uh, 4K or whatever we're going to call it UHD or whatever is really kind of true. <laughs> uh, but yet the prices have come down so much that you can kind of justify it. Like it used to be that if you're getting a 4K TV, or even earlier in the year, it was like, you know, $1,500, $2,000 for like a 55-inch or whatever. Yeah. And that's just too much for 4K for a technology that really, but there's, option, almost no, yeah. there's almost no content for it to speak of because of exactly the reason that you just stated, that largely the content has to come from not your your player, but instead from the internet, because it's really only the internet has the speed to keep up with that right now, or whatever. Right. Um, uh, but now, uh, over the Christmas, you know, they came down to like under a thousand, in some cases under eight hundred dollars, even. Then it's like, well, <laughs> you know, can you live with that as a stopgap if where you're coming from is substantially back? Like, if you've got a TV that's five years old, can you, for two or three years, deal with a television that costs you only eight hundred dollars? Maybe you can. Uh, so the the year has really shifted from, uh, and, and you can see this in some articles that are written, some technical articles where at the top of the year people are just saying absolutely not, do not buy a 4K TV, it they are fooling you, trust us, and then you'll see throughout the year they change it, they change it, they change it, and then they finally get to, you know, Black Thursday, Black Friday, and then you look at the prices for Black Friday, and then they finally say, oh, all right. 
now it's at a price point where you know it it can make some sense for you or whatever but it's it's so weird this year how that has on just the basic concept of a TV, you know, just the, the unit that you need in order to watch all this content, uh, how there's been this hullabaloo. Anyway, that's yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely you've got to do your homework and buy beware. But I don't, oh, I'm not bothered about. I'm not bothered because I think because uh, the first thing I do when I get a TV is turn all the all the uh, extra features off, the digital enhancements off. And tone down the colour, make it look more naturalistic. I mean, if 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 the grass on the TV looks greener than the grass in my garden, then it's wrong. And that's because I live in a country where the grass is green. You know, it's not dry right, out. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back, back, back to yeah. the movies, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the movies of this year, you know, have been. Uh, well, I mean, let's face it. There is one movie this year. It's the only one that really matters. Uh, and that's Star Wars, right? I mean, the the fact that the Disney stewardship has proven to be, at least in this initial bout, um, measured, careful, deliberate, um, slightly safe, has managed to make this franchise uh, get itself reinvigorated. And it's not just, of course, their handling of the... Force Awakens, but it's their general approach to Star Wars. And, you know, this sort of goes back to 2014 in terms of when the decision was made, but it's really mostly 2015 in terms of when most of the products arising from that decision have come about. And that is, you know, the sort of awesome, uh, and, and I mean that in its, in its dictionary sense, not its slang sense, the really just tremblingly awesome decision to change canon for Star Wars and to say, look, it is uh, very simple now. It is the movies. It is the Clone Wars. It is Rebels. And it is whatever we then say is related to those things. And there's like one exception. There's this Dark Horse gets one little bit of canon in that there's this one little thing that I guess it's a Dark Horse adaptation of a Clone Wars episode that never happened, uh, having to do with Darth Maul. That, too, is apparently canon. But everything else is now uh, shifted over into Legends, even things that you know have been problematic for years, uh, like the Star Wars Holiday Special. That is no longer canon, which makes some people very happy, which makes fans of B. Arthur not so happy. Um <laughs> Uh, and it's interesting that they decided to get rid of that uh, after, you know, insisting, well, it was made by George Lucas, so therefore it counts, and now it doesn't. Um, and despite the fact that it stars Mark Hamill, and, you know, it is, I mean, the most significant thing about that is it changes the origin story for Boba Fett, right? Because that's where Boba Fett first appears in the holiday special. Um, but, but, you know, the fact now that it is... For the average fan, I'm not talking about the super fan that's read all these novels, but for the average fan, it does make it extraordinarily simple. And I have to say, um, you know, I've bought a lot, a lot uh, basically all of this new canon material that's not a film, the comic books, the books, and I have been delighted by it. I mean, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. I don't have to worry about trying to keep all this stuff in my head. Uh, it's the fact that it is focused on 
particular elements, like there's, you know, a Rebels book that tells you the beginning of that crew, uh, which is fine enough, interesting, cool. Um, and, you know, that some of the, the writers that have been pulled in have been some real superstars of, like, comics, like Greg Rucka. Just crazy. The good writer who, for some reason, has never been involved with Star Wars. Uh, you know, he's been dealing with uh, the... He, Before the Awakening is this collection of three short stories that he put out recently. In fact, the day that Star Wars Force Awakens came out. And it gives you the background of Poe, and it gives you the background of Rey, and the background of Finn. Right. Not the entirety of it, but oh. just, you know, an interesting precursor story. And it really helps, like, especially the... the uh, the Finn part of that, uh, no, sorry, the the Poe part of that, really sets up the world that we're in. Like, why is Leia not the president of the Republic? Why do, do we need, general, to, do we need to say any spoilers at this point or not? Do we? Do we need to? Uh, it's been a month. I don't. Yeah, well, okay, whatever. Well, whatever. Let's just. Okay, sure. you're right. You're right. Yeah, maybe spoiler. That. Whatever. That's a very slight spoiler. No, I mean, if you're going to say more things, I mean. No, no. I mean, but it helps you. It helps you understand the starting position of various characters um, in the movie, and in that in that regard, um, really is helpful because one of the things that I think people have sort of complained about, to the extent that there are any real serious complaints about Force Awakens, is you know we don't understand why Leo is where she is, you know. Um, we why don't she's not running things, yeah. Yeah, why? Why we don't really understand exactly why Ray is where she is, and that is something that is obviously meant for better answers in episode <laughs> oh, eight yeah, or episode yeah. nine or whatever. But still, you get an interesting bit, you know, that's here in this spinoff material, and I think that. You know, and then there's a comic book that's the Shattered Empire, which is really cool and informs, um, uh, especially Poe's character a lot, and that's great because you know Poe gets these two um, backgrounding kind of materials outside of the film, um, and it, and that's sort of that's a great thing because I don't know if you know this, but and this is not exactly a spoiler, but um, originally Poe was not supposed to make it. In this film, he was not, he was not, uh, you know, as it's been sort of done on the um, various late night couches of the world, you know, it's it's been portrayed as these three characters, right? In the same way that you got three characters in the original trilogy, you know, so that these new guys are Han, Leia, and uh, Luke, you know, but that really wasn't the original plan. The original plan was really Poe was going to die uh, pretty soon. In, in fact, at the point of the, uh, well, he was going to die pretty soon in the film. Right, right. And right. So, so having this additional material is a reflection of the fact that they saw what Oscar Dameron was doing. Oscar Dameron. Oscar, uh, what the hell was his last name? Isaac, anyway, they, Isaac, Isaac. Isaac, yeah, yeah. yeah. They saw what he was doing in dailies, and they're like, this guy's pretty good. I think we should keep him around. And so they quickly sort of rewrote him to come back, you know, later in the film. And so, you know, people who really engaged with his performance were like, oh, uh, okay, so there's another material out here which builds him up as being more important. And, you know, that will flow into Episode Eight as well when presumably his role will be more even-handed with the other two. 
Um, so it's it, it, it's interesting how these various aspects are firing on each other. And I have to say, you know, the the uh, Star Wars Rebels, which is television, I suppose technically, um, has really felt like it's more a part of the film universe to me. Like like there's no distinction to me between really rebel. I mean, yeah, I can tell it's animation. I know that, but in terms of its importance. Uh, because they really worked on these relationships that are in Rebels, you know, it feels like it's a part of this whole big universe in in a in a better way even than what was in Clone Wars. Although it even ties back into Clone Wars, and so it's got this. I, I think that 2015 is not just the year that you know Star Wars: Force Awakens was the biggest movie, because uh, I'm not in entirely sure whether that actually happened. I could be wrong. I guess it did. I could look at my numbers here, but I'm not going to. Um, it's it's hard to tell because it kind of split over 2015, 2016. But it's not just the year when it, you know, they proved that they could break just about every record there was to break. It's the year, really, that Star Wars became what it was trying to be during the the Clone Wars era, you know, during the, the prequel era. You know, because George made a good try at integrating books and television stories and movies and the whole thing. He really did. But, you know, there was just a lot of it going on, and some of that stuff got very confused. And towards the end of the Lucas stewardship of Star Wars, some of the books that were coming out were really contradictory with other books and contradictory with even films and certainly contradictory between – Clone Wars and the books. It was a, a bit of a mess. And so this, this Disney reset button, more or less, um, has proven, I think, to be the right thing to do. Even though in 2014 you heard all these Star Wars fans, you know, after the announcement was made, just prognosticating about how bad this was going to be and how it was, you know, the death knell of Star Wars publishing and all this stuff. But to me, at least, 2015 has proven to be a very integrated uh, Star Wars environment where you, you can take your pleasure from Star Wars however you want to take it. If you're a reader, read. If you're you know more into cartoons, okay, we got stuff for you that are technically cartoons but are written so well that they might as well be you know part of the film. Um, and then you know we got Star Wars: Force Awakens, which has proven to be you know a pretty big global hit. Um, so that. You know, Star Wars definitely a dominant part of the film year. It's impossible to argue against that. Right. Uh, but you know, the other thing for me clearly was um, what I hope is the end of the Daniel Craig era in the Bond franchise. It ends very nicely. It ties up a lot of things, and for me, just a joyous celebration of that whole era, where finally you have the Daniel Craig character of Bond in with all of the other elements that are Bondian from, you know, like the original films, right? right? Or even even better, the original books, because there is definitely a literary nature to the Bond um, that Daniel Craig has been playing. You know, and just some lovely nods throughout that, throughout Spectre. Uh, not just to the films, you know, where you get, you know, this Aston Martin Kind of vibe that's going on, but also you know 
the mention of the Hildebrand rarity, which is really a very deep literary reference. Um, and, uh, you know, this notion, the possible notion that uh, Bond has walked off into the sunset with the daughter of his enemy, which is a very neat wrap-up of uh, what's gone on since Casino Royale. Um, it, 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 really, th- that ending of that movie is, to me, just perfect. It really is perfect. Not only is it an echo of Casino Royale, but it also takes note of what has gone on during the the Craig era on film. So it's a it's a piece of not only literary reflection of uh, what went on with Tracy Bond, uh, but also it, it's a perfect film moment just because it wraps up things in a way that you would not necessarily have expected from the end, the very end of Casino Royale. Um, so it's just a gorgeous film. Um, and, I, you know, it's in that sense, it's sort of been a year for me to take a look at IMAX and the difference, you know, which do I really enjoy more? Do I enjoy the non-3D IMAX presentation of Spectre or the 3D IMAX presentation of um, Force Awakens? And i, and I got to say, it's, it's interesting that I can't make a declaration there. Um, there, there is certainly something enjoyable about watching a film without having to wear glasses. I mean, that's straight up just as a physical thing. It's better not to have to wear glasses. Um, but there were some awfully good moments in the 3D version of Force Awakens, which I'm glad to have experienced. And and yet I am um, also just thrilled of looking at the way that the environments in Spectre look, because they were glorious on film. On IMAX, um, so there's you know definitely good moments there. Uh, I think also you know in in theatrical release you kind of have to give some sort of nod to Inside Out, uh, which is the latest as of this uh, podcast, the latest Disney movie. Well, unless you count Star Wars, I suppose. Um, but latest you know straight up Disney branded movie. Um, and, you know, the, the way in which that movie was animated, but yet moved very clearly towards adults, even though it was about kids. Uh, so an interesting uh, way of tricking the mind there, I suppose. Um, but, I, you know, there are... I'm trying to think now if there are... Uh, I, you know, I, I get... is. Is this the year of Mad Max? Was Mad Max at the beginning of this year, at the end of 2014? I've kind of lost my frame of reference there. I know I saw it in 2015, um, and it is sort of a game changer for people, I suppose. Um, but I I didn't like it that much. I know that a lot of people do, so it's not... My opinion means absolutely nothing there. Um, but it's it's an interesting year in terms of, like, how different television franchises have have fared in the movie, you know, I think that you'd have to say that the Mission Impossible from this year was successful, Uh, you know, and that that series, which I really hated to begin with, especially in the first and second uh, installments, how after they had the sea change at number three, you know, with J.J., I guess, coming in there, um, that it's been a really good franchise. And 
certainly my favorite use of oh, what's his name? Who's, who plays Scotty? Um, oh, uh, yeah. Um, of uh, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, you did. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely my favorite use of Simon Pegg on screen. I mean, better than the Scotty, uh, and certainly better. You know, it's hard as a Star Wars fan to completely like Simon Pegg because of how much he's trashed the prequels. Um, Even though he's worked in that era, I don't. It's the strangest, strangest uh, case of somebody biting the hand that feeds you. I guess I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's fared really well. And then Man from Uncle, which is a really good film, how it just financially, it's not like it was a failure, but it kind of got a little bit lost. You know, it didn't quite make what they thought it was going to make. I don't th- I think they expected it to start a franchise and it really didn't. And, uh, you know, Man from Uncle is very interesting because it has some commonality with the Avengers, that is to say you know, the British Avengers, I guess we'd call it these days, um, you know, how, how that Ray Fiennes film really failed. Really, not only failed critically, but failed domestically. I mean, failed um, box office-wise. And I think Man From U.N.C.L.E. did better critically, and it is a better film by by far, but for some reason it didn't really connect quite with... Um, uh, moviegoers, and I, I think it was just programmed wrong. It was it had strong stuff against it, and it just sort of lost its way. But I think it's doing pretty well in you know home video. So maybe there's a future for it, but I wouldn't you know hold your breath for it really. Sure. But it's also you know it's an interesting year that you know things that you thought would do well really didn't do well. Like Ron Howard had a terrible year, you know. Oh, the, the the one with the whale in yeah. in the heart of the sea. They push that back and push that back, and I think in the end they push it to the wrong place. I mean, really, it just was. What are they thinking? I mean, Ron Howard up against J.J. Abrams with Star Wars. I mean, it's just. I mean, I know it came out a week before, but it really just it could not find its feet. It was like overall, of course. I mean, what to me it's just a no-brainer. You don't really program anything big that you want to make money back on the week before a Star Wars film because everybody is saying. I need to buy my Star Wars tickets, especially when you got like over fifty million in pre-sales for Star Wars. You don't then say, "Oh, yeah, people are going to go to the movies the week before." No, they're not. They're especially not going to go to IMAX the week before that because they got you know twenty dollars tied up in a IMAX ticket for Star Wars. So they're not going to go on the off chance that this movie about a whale is going to be good. And not only that, but Moby Dick. I mean, come on, like it's the, it's got to be the one novel that most Americans have in their minds as being horrible to deal with from their English class in high school, right? I mean, an incredibly dull, dully written novel about a whale in the sea that nobody, I don't know anybody in high school who liked that novel. And so it's like, I don't want to see a story about the real Moby Dick because the fake Moby Dick wasn't funny, you know? So it's like... Ugh. It's terrible that that didn't do so well. But, um, you know, I mean, you had, you had other things earlier in the year, like Spy, you know, oh. which, you know, sort of the female take on spying. So it's an interesting year in that there were a lot of spy movies. You know, it, another thing that was big was Bridge of Spies. Um, that certainly made its money back. Uh, it, it, 
it, it was a year that if you missed it, I don't know quite how you did, but it was a year that had a lot of spy films in it. And really all of them made their money back, but um, none of them really went to the heights. I think that anybody thought that they would. Let me just so. jump in and give you a chance to rest your voice a moment. Uh, the Mad Max came out in 2015, uh, Mad Max oh. Fury Road. Um you were talking before about strong women leads in TV. I mean, we we had uh, quite a few in films, didn't we? Because uh, whether you watch The Hunger Games or not, that was a, still a big mm. franchise. Uh, Ex Machina, was it? The um, the robot one. And then there was the one that Scarlett Johansson was in. I thought it was called She, but I think that's a different film. That's the, the one yeah, with the, uh, the phone. I'm thinking about Lucy. Lucy, that's the one I'm thinking. You know, there's quite a few of those. A couple of other films that I'll just throw the names out and see if you want to make a comment on. Um, Interstellar, which I thought was fabulous. Um, that was a real, I thought that was a real science fiction fans movie. Um, more in your sort of neck of the woods were things like Kingsman, Paddington. Um, uh, well, I, I'm assuming they're in yours. The 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 biggest disappointment. Let me start with the biggest biggest disappointment. The third Hobbit movie, um, the Five Armies. I thought that was a disappointment because basically five armies ga- gathered and five armies thought fought. I mean, why did stretch the Hobbit out to three films? I think that had been brought. I mean, it it was good to watch, but it was a little bit like eating candy floss. When you got to the end, really, you thought, well, what's the story there? I mean, they spent twenty minutes going down a river in, um, in uh, you know, in barrels. Uh, mm-hmm. A scene that could have lasted uh, a very short amount. Um, let's uh, let me just. Uh, I'll come back to you. Let's see if Ian's uh, there. I know he's he's been moving around, stepping away. That's why he couldn't unmute Rick Wall for a little while. Uh, but. Ian, jump in if you're there, but I'm just going to read... Oh, yeah. Uh, Let me just read a few things from the Colton page, and then we'll see if you want to comment on anything that Darth said, and then I'll go for a few of my things I've watched. Um, I think I mentioned some of them. Um, uh, David Gallagher says, of course, we've got the X-Files in just a few weeks. Can't be worse worse finale than the one we got. Uh, I think I mentioned Beer Wolf. Uh, I mentioned the May Grey. What else did the... Um, no, I think I mentioned quite a few of those things, actually. So um, uh, just let me direct people to our Cultman page. Uh, ask to join it, and we will uh, certainly uh, be welcome to see you there. So, Ian, do you want to come in on anything that Darth has said? Um, chime in, um, disagree? Hold on, I just have to agree with Darth when he said that, uh, you know, it's... It's it's really a feast at the moment for for you know the, the fantasy type element that we've got out there at the moment. You know, Flash Arrow, um, Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Um, there's just so much stuff to watch. It's um, it's a bit overwhelming, in fact, and it's it's difficult sometimes to keep caught up on everything. Uh, you know, the, most of the water cooler conversations I have at the moment are about whatever's on TV. Have you seen this yet? Did you see the last episode of, of whatever? And, you know, uh, it's amazing actually what we've got on our plate at the moment as far as cultdom goes. Um, you know, we're really kind of spoiled for choice. You know, we're, you know, 
we've got so much out there to choose from. Um, one of the things I forgot to mention too, that I, I, I mean, I think it started in in uh, the year before, but um, I just found that this year was, uh, uh, or say <laughs> last year now, uh, Gotham. It's fantastic. Um, fantastic. Ah, right. Actually, enjoyed the first series much better than the second, even though April release is the second series is much better. I kind of enjoyed the kind of gangster type, um, you know, the the mob war uh, scenario that they had set up in the first season. Um, Sean Pertwee. Oh, Sean Pertwee is just fantastic. Um, actually, everybody's fantastic in Gotham. <laughs> I, I just love Gotham the bits. Um, the guy playing Penguin is, is phenomenal. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jessica Pink, is it? Uh, is it Jada, Jada Pink, it's Mitch. Jada Pink, yeah, yeah. Playing uh, King, uh, uh, Fish. Yeah, Fish. Yeah, she, she was fantastic. Fish, yeah. Everybody's yeah. been fantastic in it. I mean, even even the, the small players in it have been great. Um, so, yeah, uh, not much to disagree with, basically, on what Dara said. Actually, nothing to disagree with, I think. Um, he's always spot on, I think. <laughs> Darth and I tend to think along the same lengths at times. Uh, sometimes he tends to surprise me, just Darth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I find that the one the one thing that you're the most sure of, you'll know what he thinks. That's the one where it's completely... You know, completely opposite. Yeah, yeah. No doubt, gonna love this. I hated it every second. Damn. What the hell happened? Okay, so that's you caught up, is it? Any any more you want to? And then I'll just mention some of the things I've been following. Uh, I mean, great talking. We we can some of these things we can say for for future shows. I think, but I mean, we're at one hour forty. Maybe we can. Cap it at two hours, Ian. It's up to you. You're you're the man with the controls. But um, if we do a quick, um, you know, things that we're looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll all know, we'll all have a room. go on that. Well, let me let me cover the things that I've been watching, and, and of course I have got Netflix. So these are things um, uh, that uh, I've been watching. Jessica Jones. Uh, I really love that. As David Tennant, right? Uh, I mean, you, you would think that you know there was a danger of him being typecast, but not a thing of it. He was uh, he was brilliant in that, and the rest of the sporting cast worked very well. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm behind with Arrow and Flash, but what I've seen, I've enjoyed. Um, uh, Felicity Smoke is my, my favourite character in both Ooh. of those. So there we go. Um, I, I think I think his dresses get tighter every episode of the season, but. Not complaining. I think that's just your imagination. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it might be. Um, what else? Um, let me give some UK-centric things out, just to to think. Um, mm. Of course, Luther has been back. Uh, we had this uh, one-off special Sherlock, which was not what I was expecting. We'll get a commentary out about that at some point. Maybe we'll get a commentary out about the Luther at some point. Uh, a really... Um, series that's very UK based is Peaky Blinders which is about these uh, razor g- gangs in the in the uh, well, 50 years ago uh, that's got a new series coming back but on Netflix as well as uh, House of Cards which I'd already seen I rewatched and uh, Game of Thrones uh, Better Call Saul um, I love Daredevil uh, I think it's great there's a second series of that coming back very shortly uh, what else have I watched um, I've watched um, uh, a series um, 
called Person of Person of Interest, which I really thought was great on Netflix, uh, as Jim Cassavizel uh, as one of the main actors in that. Really enjoyed watching that. Um, what else have I watched? Um, I think I'll stop on that on those. But it, at the cinema, as I say, The Hobbit, the third movie, it was a disappointment. Surprisingly, like the not the latest Hunger Games that's just gone out part two, but the Hummingbird Part One, I think it was called. My favourite film for a while was Interstellar, but I must admit I loved Spectre. I thought Spectre was uh, as good as Bond gets. Um, I'm not too sure whether it was better than Skyfall, but it it, 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 it had more heart, I think. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and, um, of course, I've just been to see the Star Wars one, which... Um, to be frank, I won't say anything spoiler other than to say that for the first 20 minutes, I thought they made a mistake here. They've gone too old school. It's as though you've, you know, you've like Ian's dragged his son. Let's say his son's got a PlayStation 4, which I probably hope he has, but he hasn't. But no. he's got a PlayStation 4. You say, forget that. I've got a PlayStation 1. Watch the game. That was real gaming. And I'm thinking, you know, people are thinking this is a bit old school. Uh, but there is a certain scene where you see a certain ship and then you certain a couple of characters aboard that ship, and suddenly, you know, the magic starts to kick in. Even though I did like the two lead uh, players, um, Ray and Finn, I thought they, they they were fine. And I thought that uh, Daisy Riker, is it a surname? Uh, thought she was uh, excellent, very strong. I mean, just, I can't believe that somebody was born in the 90s, Ian. Somebody born yeah. in the 1990s. <laughs> I mean, 1990s. I mean, God help us. Uh, but yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, extremely old. <laughs> only watched that uh, last night. <clears throat> this thing about um, IMAX. I didn't see it on the IMAX because they were only showing it on IMAX at 3D, and I think it was about 15 quid or something like that. But in actual fact, the last 3D movie I saw, I actually didn't think the picture was as sharp. We we do know with with domestic TVs, you lose some of the brightness. Now that shouldn't be an issue with the with the projection they've got in, in cinemas because they can they know it's going to be 3D, so they can pump the the power output, the light output. But I definitely feel as though sometimes it's not as sharp. It's almost like you're watching a Blu-ray at the theatre, which you know I expect it to be better than that. Um, uh, so that's I think all all in the past. I don't know whether we want to take a little bit of time uh, going through any of these lists are just talk about let me just oh let me um, read quickly from one page. This is um, theweek.co.uk and it's called Best TV Shows of 2015 10 must-see box sets of the year. And I'll just put the link in for for fan, our fans like Cybob here and um, just let me, I'm just going to read the titles. I'm not going to make any comments. Um, Game of Thrones, Wolf Hall, Boardwalk Empire, True Detective, Peaky Blinders, um, The Big Bang Theory, The Affair. Oh, just noticed The Affair. Has, uh, that actress I like in it. Um, from Luther, who played Ruth. Um, Silicon Valley, Breaking Bad. Now, was Breaking Bad in 2015 here? Or was that from 2014? 30 Rock. 14. Yeah, 30 Rock. 
Um, so, uh, most popular feature films from IMDb. Let me just read from that, and then we'll go once around the room with the three of us on what we're looking forward to. And most popular feature films, uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, The Hateful Eight, The Relevant, Joy, Sicaro is that, Creed, The Big Short, Ridiculous Six, Heart of the Sea, The Martian. I love The Martian, by the way, the film. I didn't know whether they mentioned that. The Danish Girl, Sisters, Point Break, uh, were down to, that's about the top 12. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, Ian, do you want to go first and then go, sure. go to Darth? Sure. Uh, things I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, more of the same, really. Uh, looking forward to, of course, you know, more Star Wars coming out. Uh, that's not until 2017, but there's the, um, oh, what's it called? Rogue One. Um, Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse. Really looking forward to that. I like the X-Men movies, and I like how we kind of got rid of the the really bad X-Men movie and kind of wiped that clean, and, and now we're continuing on. And, and somebody gets bald. That's all I'm saying. Somebody gets bald. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, Ghostbusters, kind of. I, I just want to see what they do with it, really. Um, the Ghostbusters movie. Um, seeing how it ties in, of course, to the old Ghostbusters. Um, not looking forward to Batman and Superman or Justice. Don't. I'll watch it on Blu-ray when it comes out, probably, or stream it or something. But really not looking forward to seeing that at all, which is weird for being a sci-fi fantasy kind of geek. It's just, it just, it looks too dark and weird and stuff. And again, I have problems with Superman. You know, you've got this impenetrable, uh, indefeatable guy, unless you've got some handy kryptonite, which I'm sure Batman probably will at some point. But anyway, uh, moving, moving swiftly onwards, uh, Captain America Civil War. I don't know. Uh, 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 yeah, there's a new Star Trek movie, the new Independence Day movie. Um, I'm not sure when the new Ant-Man movie is coming out. Probably not until 2017, I'm sure. But Ant-Man, I think, is supposed to show up in, in, in Civil War. At least that's, that's what I've been led to believe. Um, so I mean that's that's the stuff I'm looking forward to in the in the movie stuff on TV. It's just more of the same. I don't know of anything really that's coming out on, on coming out that's new on TV that I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to more Flash, more Arrow, uh, more Agents of Shield, you know, more of the same. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a good time to be uh, a member of Cultum, really because there's just so much out there to watch and enjoy and. And, and talk about and it's neat to go to work and have people who aren't really as geeky as me or as nerdy as me or whatever term you want to use asking if I've seen this have I seen that have you seen the new Star Wars movie I mean I got asked by a waiter in, uh, at a restaurant the other day and I wasn't even wearing a Star Wars shirt <laughs> I wasn't wearing a geeky shirt at all it was just a plain red shirt and I got asked have you seen the new Star Wars movie yet and that's just that's just phenomenal to be able to have, to be asked that in general public by 
you know, a general person of the public. I mean, he could be a geek, I don't know. But it's just a really good time to be kind of the kind of person I am. That's, you know, that other people are talking about the stuff that I like to talk about now. Um, and I don't feel quite so, you know, you know, before you'd say, oh, have you seen the new Star Wars? Or have you seen, you know, this or that? And people would look at you like you've got four eyes, you know, which I do. Um, but they'd look at you like you're strange, you know, oh, you, you're one of those people. Now, everybody's one of those people. So I'm I'm really, really happy with the way things are. And, and uh, hopefully they keep going like this. Um, I'm sure at some point it'll... It'll peter off and it'll be all sports movies and westerns, um, in which case I'll lose all interest. <laughs> so, who's next? Darth, I think. He's had a okay. chance to rest his voice. What are you looking forward to, Darth? Um, I mean, in, certainly on TV, I think pretty much like you, you know, in that, you know, I've already bought the seasons, so I might as well finish out the seasons. <laughs> of, uh, you know, that's that's just how it is. Um, I I suppose, and I I've been kind of thrilled about the way that I've been watching television lately, and that you know it's coming through on iTunes. I I really like that because it makes it. I mean, I know it's probably more expensive than having a traditional cable setup or whatever, but occasionally I do. Uh, see things on television and it's so annoying i mean i just i've forgotten the the, the whole thing of commercials and having to wait (laughs) and all that stuff and it's just like how did i make it through this and to me it's just been worth it um to buy things online and i i quite like that so but the the obvious implication of doing that is you can't follow as much really not unless you have infinite resources or whatever. Um, and and probably the way that I'm doing it is already extravagant. Um, so it just means, you know, there's not – something really has to impress me in order for me to go and watch it. Um, I will tell you that one of the fun things about doing it this way is <laughs> the the wait for the sale. Uh, and and it's paid off every time. I don't know if you know this, but it's 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 quite a fun thing to do um, to know that you're going to watch something. So you, you know you know you're going to watch the Flash, but you don't buy it right up front because if you buy it right up front, it was like fifty dollars or something like that. And so you buy each individual episode, and so they put it on sale for twenty nine ninety nine, and then all of a sudden it only costs you seven dollars or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fun little game to play because it you you know it's like playing chicken with iTunes and pretty much except for Madam Secretary that's the only one that never really went on sale so it's like you get to a point where if it goes on sale then they won't even offer it to you to complete it because you're already over the amount so it's like oh whatever I'll just go ahead and buy that but every other one you know definitely it um you know you, you buy it in dribs and drabs, and then eventually you're able to get the, the whole season for what amounts to twenty nine ninety nine over time. And I suppose, you know, that I have to look forward to doing that with, um, what's this thing that has that awful actor from Doctor Who? Um, League of Tomorrow. What is it? Oh. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I'm kind of excited by the principle. I just, I really don't like Arthur Darvel, so it, that's a problem. Uh. Really. 
Um, but I like the rest of the people in it. Uh, and hopefully he, he won't be in it that much. He'll just be there you know, spirit guide or something. Um, but man, him doing an East London accent is horrible. Um, anyway, so that, I guess you'd have to say is something that I'm looking forward to. And I guess you'd also have to say, I'm looking forward to the second season. Like I said before of, um, what is that thing? Of, um, <laughs> uh, of, uh, Oh my God. Why is this? Jessica Jones. Not Jessica Jones. No, no. Uh, uh, but close. Uh, nope, nope. Agent, yeah. I, I, Agent Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've already bought that, so it's not like it's – to me, it doesn't feel like it's a new thing. It's just a, they had a sale on it, so I bought it. Um, I mean, in, in, and of course, you know, I'm just looking forward to the continuation of Star Wars Rebels, which I – adore that thing and we'll rewatch episodes without even thinking about it. Um, I just, if you watch only one animated thing, I think that's what you should probably watch. Um, And then, you know, I I guess I'm looking forward to rebels. I don't really know. I'm looking forward to a replication of star Wars at Christmas, which to me was just glorious. I loved star Wars at Christmas because it, Really wasn't anything that had ever happened before, and the the conflagration of the two, you know, sort of legends coming together was pretty good and special. And you know, having the time off to actually go to see movies like every single day was pretty good mm-hmm. uh, and restful. Uh, and you know, to enjoy the energy of different crowds—that was, you know, that that to me is like the the joy of Star Wars. And I've said this on the podcast before, but I love seeing if you're going to go to the theater it's not because of the film exactly it's because of the audience reaction that you can get there and you can't get home and i have just absolutely enjoyed seeing the difference in the um audience reaction to force awakens depending on when you go where you go which kind of theater you're going to the whole gamut uh, and it has really reinvigorated my love of movies. Because my love of movie, my, my brother's love of movie, for instance, is about the cinema. It is about, you know, why are you taking this shot? What are you doing with the cinematography? What, you know, the, the technical detail of how to make a film is what he goes to movie theater for. What I go to the theater for is the people. And I just find it fascinating how everything is different. Uh, I, you know, how some crowds will react uh, with applause to just the Lucasfilm logo. Lucasfilm logo. Something you've seen (laughs) a thousand times before. How some people reacted to episode seven. Not even getting to The Force Awakens, just seeing episode seven. They applauded that. Um, Just crazy, you know, and how, how different things were emphasized by different audiences. And, you know, overall, the movie was made to to help a popular audience to to be seen popularly um or and to be seen as popular as well uh and you know not every movie's like that in fact most movies aren't like that most movies are made to respond to a particular niche right and that's why they're r rated or that's why they go um g rated or whatever you know that the rating itself determines who you're going to appeal to. And the fact that Star Wars went this time for only the second time in its history, but 
yet the second consecutive time, for PG-13 rating meant that you're sitting right in the middle, right? You couldn't be more middle of the road than to have a PG-13. And I think that's great. I think it therefore responded to a lot of, or audiences responded to it in a lot of different ways because a lot of different people thought, okay, this is adult enough or this is childish enough or whatever enough for me to go to see. And they all had a good time. And I, I, I just, I, I hope that Rogue One is like that. I have no idea what it's about. I really, even, should I know from the title? I guess I should know from the title, kind of, what it's about. But uh, I don't. And I'm fascinated to see how it's going to tie in, how the world building is going to, to kick in there. And indeed, that is, for me, what a lot of entertainment is about these days. It's about the world building. It is why Legends of Tomorrow, Legends, or Legends of the Future, whatever the hell I think it's called, um, and Arrow and Flash are so interesting because they are actively building a scripted world together. And in the same way, you know, that's what's happening in the Star Wars universe, too. Um, and and that clearly is what has happened for a while in the Marvel universe. So to, to see this continuing is going to be interesting to me. That said, I guess I am here going to differentiate from Ian and say absolutely the thing that I'm looking forward to before Star Wars comes out is Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I mean... If for no other reason than to finally see Wonder Woman again, um, but and and there are other people and to see their version of Aquaman and you know whatever mm. uh, to see it as this seed movie for an eventual Justice League movie that is interesting to me and you know I, I am at variance with other people, including I think yourself, in as to how much I like Henry Cavill as Superman because I can appreciate it as a distinct strain of the Superman myth in the same way that, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman is not the Michael Keaton Batman Mm -hmm. uh, because Christopher Nolan derives from a different origin point in the, uh, you know, bigger legend of Batman. Uh, Is it my favorite interpretation of Superman? No. I mean, my favorite interpretation of Superman is currently Supergirl. Uh, because she is doing a lot, she's doing a female version, really, of Christopher Reeve, who right. is definitional Superman. Um, and yet she's doing different things with it as well. And it has Dean Kane in it, who is, as we know, the best Superman of all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it, 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 I think for me, and this is how I've always approached comic movies, is it doesn't have to be the version of the character that I like. It just has to be a version that pays attention to the comics in some way. And, you know, if you've got something that's virtually 100 years old, it's, you're going to have a lot of different strands to pull from. And, um, you know, I, I, how bad could it be? I mean, I guess that's a question I might come to regret. But uh, I, I, just, I just think, you know, from the trailers that I've seen, and especially from the audience reaction to the trailer that I saw, you know, multiple times before Star Wars, I'm kind of thinking it'll be a fun movie to see with people and maybe less of a fun movie to see at home. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think it, it's more interesting to me certainly than civil war. I have no interest in that crap. I didn't like it was when it was on the comic stands. I never bought a single issue of anything related to civil war. And indeed it was civil war on the Marvel side versus, um, 
identity crisis or whatever that the, the stories arising from identity crisis on the DC side. And I was like, well, obviously I'm going DC here, and I don't care what they're doing with Civil War. And in, and I know that as a comic property, Civil War was not rated as highly as the the equal event in DC. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I got nothing. I, it's not like I'm not necessarily going to see it. In fact, I'm sure, you know, one of the things I use uh, Marvel movies for is uh, building up my Disney, Disney points. account. Disney points, right, absolutely. Um, so I'm quite happy to buy it on Blu-ray or whatever. Um, but I just don't think I care about the audience reaction. And that's the thing. You know, I, I pay for the audience reaction. If the audience reaction is good, I'll put $200 down and not even think about it. But if um, it's only mediocre, then I don't care, you know. Um, and I just, I, I can't, maybe I'm wrong. And and that'll be an interesting thing to see. Maybe the reviews right. will be really good and maybe I'll have to bow to the weight of that. But I am uh, you know, also a fairly slavish follower of Rotten Tomatoes, you know, and if something is a, a 90, uh, you know, or better, I kind of have to go see it in the movie theater because that probably indicates that it has some sort of popular effect on the audience. Um, I'm the same with Batman but, versus Superman. I mean, if, 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 if the, mm -hmm. you know, my peeps, you know, say, oh, you're really going to see this, then I'll mm -hmm. probably never going to see it. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, I probably still... I, I don't go to the theater much just because it's, it's so damn expensive and getting a babysitter, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Right. You yeah. know, it's just such a hassle to try and get to the theater. But every now and then there's a thing you got to go to in the theater. Star Wars was one of them. Um, Avengers yeah. Age of Ultron was the other. I had to go. I really wanted to see that in the theater because I didn't want to mm -hmm. be spoiled by anything. Um, yeah. I, wanted to know, I wanted to know how old Ultron was. <clears throat> it's a bad joke. Badly used. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it could prove me very wrong. I mean, I've just I'm just going basically the reactions of of you know what I've seen in trailers, and it hasn't excited me that much. It looks really really dark, right. and I I kind of like my superhero stuff light, like Captain America and Thor, and you know not quite so dark and gritty. You know, which mm -hmm. begs the question: Why does he like Arrow? But yeah, Felicity Smoke. <clears throat> Moving on. <laughs> well, and and arrow arrow is you know its trajectory is to lighten up, so yeah. you're getting your way on that eventually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. so. but yeah, that, that, no, but but you 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 clearly have a different calculus than I do mm. on, on going to movies because you know you got to pay a lot more to go to the theater than I do. Um, not 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 only because you have a family and I don't, but because, you know, you probably don't – I mean, I get an awful lot of passes thrown my way, which <laughs> is not fair, but there we are. Um, and so, you know – but even so, I mean, I am I am a weird, weird person in that I I would prefer <laughs> – well, for many reasons, like but for this one so – yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, that's the show I want. That's to it. That's it. We're done. We're done. I'll drop the mic and leave. But the uh, the thing that you know, I, I would much rather see a movie that I know and have already seen multiple times hmm. than to go see a new movie, even though I know. Uh, perfect example. Like by all rights, I should have seen 
already sisters in the movie theater because I love Amy Poehler, because I love Tina Fey, and because the thing has been reasonably well re- reviewed, right? And I should go to that thing, and I maybe I will, but I will put a premium on seeing Star Wars multiple times because it's like a roller coaster, you know. You get to the top of it, you know what's going to happen, but you still want to see it happen again. And right. it's, it's it's all about the the experience. I mean, to me, that's what a the, that is the advantage of theater over television. I can get as much television as I want, and I can watch it in, in you know great sound. And you know, to be honest with you, I got a better sound system than the theaters that I go to see. You know, if for no other reason than I am you know in rooms that I can control a lot better, and they're smaller, and you know I can position the speakers exactly where I want them to be and put my seat in exactly the position I want it to be. Uh, but I derive more enjoyment out of sitting in the top left corner of the theater, which is essentially the worst seat in the house, uh, if I can experience it with the audience. And, the, you know, this is true of I, – I, I remember sitting in exactly that seat in um, Dark Knight. You know, I'd seen Dark Knight several times, but the audience reaction on Dark Knight, phenomenal, you know, and well worth sitting quietly – you know, away from people, letting them sit together and, you know, get their act together, just to have that. It's such a glorious thing. And it and it's something that only theater can provide, whether it be live or whether it be, you know, on film. It, it It's important. The audience reaction is central, you know. Right. Uh, so I, I, I'm just looking forward throughout this next year to films that can actually – deliver upon that. You know, I, I can tell you, one of the, the best things that I experienced um, this last year, well, uh, best in a weird way, was um, Marigold Hotel 2, uh, the Judy Dench property that also stars the guy from... Um, not from so Life of Pi. Yeah. From, oh. from Life of Pi and, yeah, Life of and... Um, Oh, what is that one? The one the I really slum, like. Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this film, not as good as the original. Not by long talk. But the great thing about it was, the, you know, this is the kind of thing where you've got to pick your audience right. You've got to pick it like at 2 p.m. At the matinee, that's not the earliest matinee, but the second one, so that, you know, you've got a crowd of people there that are trying to hit dinner at 5 p.m. In other words, an older audience, right? <laughs> and and you go in there, and they're like, they're loving it. These are people who have not gone on to um, Rotten Tomatoes because they just, you know, they don't do that sort of thing. These are people who are completely blind to it. They may not have even seen the first one, but they're like, oh, Judy Dench, she's our age, she's a star for us, whatever. And... You know, you hit a, a great experience with a film that is okay, you know, and it is reviewed, you know, 60, 70 in Rotten Tomatoes, but it's not perfect and it's not as good as the film that preceded it. But the reaction can still be pretty glorious. And so you still go and see it, you know? Yeah. It, so that's that's what I'm looking for is a mixture this year, kind of like I've had this year, of films that are really good. And for me to avoid things that actually turned out to be bad. Like Ant-Man, fabulous to see in the theater. Age of Ultron, to me, horrible. I mean, really horrible. It just, it wasn't as funny as the first one. 
there aren't as many great moments uh, in it uh, in terms of the, the comedy. Although the first, you know, the scene where they're sort of kicking back in the, you know, the apartment or whatever until things start to go down, like that's pretty good, a nice little talky scene. But it's not like it's not like Iron Man three, which has a lot of great um, character moments in it. It's mostly spectacle, and so therefore, do I need to see that in the theater? Not really. You know, honestly, it, I, I would I got a lot more out of that movie when I was home and be able to see the subtitles, able to put it through my own speaker system, able to separate out different things. You know, it, it's better at home. But it, to me, I just I just hope that I am able to continue making decent choices. Just guesswork. I mean, I love it. It's like a racing form. You know, the the uh, the listing of things that are coming up. You know, the, the, the actual riding. theatrical list. It is. It, it, I mean, I will sit there and I will stare at Fandango and I'll be like, I don't know, which one should I choose? Which one should I, which, which, you know, of these 16 opportunities to see this film today, which one is probably going to be the best one? It's, to me, it's quite, it's an enjoyable game, especially now that it has this sort of video element and, you know, you push buttons in order to, to get your tickets. I just love it. <laughs> I just love the whole theatrical experience. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't. Aside from Star Wars, I don't think there's really a that I know of yet a dead cert of anything, you know. And even Star Wars, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It could be. It could not be as good because there's no characters in there that we know, and it might be hard to establish them quickly. You know, so maybe people won't identify with those characters, especially since they know those characters are not really going to return, probably. Right. Um, so I don't know, but well, yeah, I, but, you know, yeah. Let me jump in here because I've got a feeling we'll probably have to uh, call it a, a time soon. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't want to actually bring us down because uh, just to remind people, if they want to go to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, they've got um, a list there of uh, people who've sadly passed on during 2015. Uh, 152 of them there, but from the music industry as well. And I, I mentioned very briefly, um, I think before the recording started, so just let me mention some of the, the notable people that we have lost this year. Wes Craven, James Horner, Christopher Lee, Leonard Nimoy, uh, Roger, uh, Rod Taylor, uh, Donna Douglas, Ron Moody, Richard Johnson, Nigel Terry, that's your Excalibur guy, Ian, uh, um, who played King Arthur, isn't it? Uh, Al... Molarel, is it, from Happy Days, uh, Omar Sharif, uh, Roddy Piper, I came here to chew ass and kick gum, no, that's the wrong way around, Ken will know the phrase, <laughs> and I'm all out of gum, uh, Maureen O'Hara, and Robert uh, Loginer, um, Loja. So, uh, Loja, sorry, yeah. uh, sadly lost those people, uh, we've got the awards series season coming up. Golden Globes on the 10th of January, uh, the BAFTAs on the 14th of February, and the Oscars, 88th Oscars, on the 28th of February. Uh, just things I'm looking for. But I should just mention because Rickwall did drop in, and Ken, he thought would mention it. Uh, they're watching The Expanse, which has only had four episodes shown up to now. It's got another five episodes at least. Uh, this is based 200 years in the future in a fully colonized solar system. Uh, but uh, you can find the information on Wiki. I'm looking forward to another series of Daredevil. 
another series of Game of Thrones, catching up with Arrow and Flash. Uh, we've got some more better come Call Saul coming out. Um, currently, a couple of things I, I skipped mentioning here in the UK. There's um, that Jekyll and Hyde here, and um, I'm actually watching on Netflix. It's all right. It's keeping me going at the moment, but it's called... Um, it called written down here. Um, oh, uh, where's that gone? Got listed everything. Uh, one second. Spectre, it's called. No, that's not called Spectre. Where's it gone? It's about these uh, hyper intelligent kids uh, solving problems. Scorpion, that's it. Scorpion. Well done. Thank you. Um, but um, again, here in the UK, as I say, War and Peace is starting tonight. Uh, and I, I think Darth has mentioned he watched it. Uh, Mr. Selfridge is back, Return of Ten series. That starts on Friday, January the 8th. Not science fiction, really. But um, just uh, before Ian takes us out, we're probably going to go to a monthly uh, setup. And I'm saying this particularly for Skybob, so. Probably be going to the last Sundays in the month, but we will try and fit in uh, other studio shows and commentaries. And uh, Ian, I think you ought to take us out. Uh, oh, let me just hear from Ian McNeese before I do. Hello, this is uh, Winston Churchill here, or otherwise Ian McNeese, saying, listen to the Coldham Collective Podcast. KBO, keep buggering on. Thank you. So that's what we'll be doing, Ian. KBO, yep. KBO. Yes, we're going to keep buggering on, uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> we'll be here, um, like Dave said, uh, once a month, uh, towards the end of the month, or depending on what happens. If something crops up that's of huge interest, uh, where we feel we need to schedule a show, we're going to do so. So keep an eye on the feeds. Uh, we're on Twitter, uh, as Coldham, and uh, we have a Facebook page called the Coldham Collective. And you can also catch us at Coldham.com. And, of course, at TalkShoe. And so, yeah, those are all the places you can find us. So if you follow us in all those places, you'll know when the next show is coming up. Isn't that right, Dave? Indeed. And thanks, Cybob, for staying with us. Yep. Thank you, Cybob. And uh, hope you have a, a happy new year coming up. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Uh, thank you, Darth, for joining us and uh, turning this into a, an interesting show. Um, we enjoyed your input today. As we always Brilliant. Do, but Brilliant. today more than ever, you know. Shows that we can oh, thanks. The three, three of us can carry a show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You kept dropping your end, but everything else was good. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you stay away from my end, would you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, for more humor like this. Make sure you keep up to date with what shows are coming out. And uh, we shall see you, of course, all throughout 2016. Until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. It's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>